praise and give you the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Get your Bibles tonight and turn to Romans, if you would, please. And uh, I've uh, been studying again and God's grace. I, I went all the way through the Bible. Read, I read every word on every page uh, going through the Bible. Now I'm going back and just picking up some subjects that uh, that uh, really on my mind and I'm thinking about and just studying those subjects. And tonight I want to talk to you about the grace of God in a different light than I've seen it before, I think. Uh, but I know I got a real blessing out of it. And uh, the book of uh, Romans, chapter 3, and I'll read a little bit, beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open scepter. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law said, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is a knowledge of sin. But by the but now the righteousness of God without the law. Now I want to explain something to you just for a second. Up to here and, and before this, but we didn't go back and read it all, chapter 3. He's talking about that everybody is sinners. I don't care who they are. Everybody's sinners. And he proves that by how bad we are, that there's none righteous. Uh, Isaiah says the same thing. And then he comes down to verse 21, and he's going to talk to us about justification. He's going to talk to us about the righteousness of God and the grace of God. Now, beginning in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ and all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified, and that word remember now means just as you never sinned before God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude 
that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not all of the, of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing he is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Father, we pray now for understanding of thy word. And of this word, Lord, it's grace. We'll never understand till we get to heaven. But we want to know more of it. We want to understand as much as our little finite minds can understand. And so we ask you to give us the Holy Spirit's wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading this, and uh, all these years I've been preaching the witness of the Lord. I've been trying to tell people uh, the works, uh, uh, the grace of God, and you can't begin to understand God's grace until you understand how we sinners are justified. Now, as I said, he makes it very plain from verse 9 through verse 20 uh, how bad we are. Everybody. Now, and then uh, he begins in verse 21. If you are justified by God's grace, God sees you as though we had never sinned. We stand before God now accepted in the Beloved, or in Jesus Christ, justified before God, not just forgiven, not just pardoned, but justified. We are now in Christ now covered by the precious blood of the, uh, of the sinless Jesus, clothed by the marvelous grace of God, wrapped completely in His righteousness, and that's grace. Amen? Think about it. You know yourself, I know myself a little bit. The Bible said we don't even know our own hearts. And so, but I do know it's wicked, and I know myself, and I know if I deserve anything, it's hell. I sure don't know deserve God's grace in Him dying for me. But what makes me so happy sometimes to realize that I, right now, in the eyes of the Holy God, I'm as just as just as Jesus is just. You think about that. I'm just as pure as Jesus is pure in the eyes of God. Now, not in the eyes of men, ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the eyes of God. Alright? Now, how are we justified? Romans 3, verse 24 says, Being justified freely, so you don't work for it, by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says, Being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in these verses... We're justified by grace, by blood, by faith. Not three methods of justification, but these three agree in one. Grace, blood, faith make justification possible. Now, notice three things here. Being justified by His grace, grace is a communication of Almighty God to meet the need of mortal man. Grace is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor from God to man, not man to God. Grace is more than love. Grace is love in action. Grace is love in one who deserves no love. 
Grace is being attracted to the unattracted. Grace is demonstrating kindness to an enemy. Grace loves where no love is returned. Grace is God's free gift to hell-deserving, unlovely sinners. Notice also, God's grace did not begin at Calvary or at the cross, just because of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross and the sufferings of Jesus on the cross were created by the grace of God. It was God's grace that allowed Jesus to taste death for every man, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8-20. Jesus died for everybody. That's the grace of God. Now, in Hebrews chapter 2 and so on, the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. That's the reason that First John makes it very plain that no man can be saved, no man can go to heaven unless you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. What that means is if you don't believe that God was in Christ Jesus, Jesus is God. And he is incarnated in that body. And the only person that's qualified to die for the sins of man is God. Because God made man. Now, uh, what a holy God demanded, only an infant holy God could supply. God satisfied his holiness in the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. And it all originated in God's grace. Now, in Jesus, the believer becomes the rights of God. Turn with me just back up just a little bit to Acts chapter 20. I'll read you just one verse, verse 28. Listen to this. Take heed, therefore, because of what we just learned. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, here's the truth. If you believe out, if you leave out the blood of Jesus Christ and you claim to be a preacher of righteousness, you claim to be the preacher of the Word of God, you're a liar. You're not. Because you cannot preach a holiness unto God without preaching the blood and the blood atonement. Now, notice please. And because of this, salvation from sin is to whosoever. Not by philosophy of Jesus. Uh, if you, all you do is stand around as a preacher or, or, or testify to the Lord Jesus Christ, if all you tell about is how good He is, His life He lived on this earth, and uh, if you talk about His mother and his, uh, his stepfather, if you talk about His life here on this earth He lived perfect, that's not righteousness preaching. That's just philosophy. Now, not by the example of Jesus. And not by or through the spotless, holy life Jesus lived. But by the shedding of His precious blood on the cross where He was offered for our sin. Faith looks back to the cross and sees Jesus there as our sin buried. Now remember something. If I go to heaven's door right now and God does say to you, Why shall I let you into my heaven? And I've heard every answer of the Son in witnessing people. And they'll say, I've been a good person. If anybody deserves to go to heaven, my daddy or my mother, they'll, they'll talk about some good person. Surely they're there. Not if they don't have the blood on them. And it's just that simple. Now watch this, please. 
by the shedding of His precious blood on the cross where He was offered for sin. Faith looks back to the cross to see Jesus as a sin bearer. But love looks up to the throne of God and testifies, He loved me and gave Himself for me. Hope looks beyond the cross, beyond the sufferings, to the glory and sees the Lamb seated on the right hand of God the Father. One day we will be with Him in glory and we shall be like Him. So you have faith, love, and hope working in our salvation. Faith rests upon the foundation of the finished work of Jesus. If somebody asks me, how do you know you're going to heaven, preacher? Because of all the work that Jesus did for me on the cross. All the work that Jesus did there. He paid for my sins. That's justification. Being justified by grace. Being justified by His blood, Jesus hanging on the cross displayed God's love. God told of the crucifixion centuries before that. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go back to Leviticus a minute. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. Listen to this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Now, anybody that can read that verse and tell me that we're not saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, don't believe the Bible in. Because the Bible says it was the blood that was given that saved you. Hebrews 9 verse 22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. All through the Bible, the blood runs red for redemption. Luke chapter 22 verse 20, Hebrews 10 29, speaks of the blood of the new covenant. For instance, Hebrews 10 19 says, speaks of the blood of Jesus. Acts 20 verse 28 says, the blood of God. At 1 Peter 1 and verse 2, the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 24, 25, the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. In 1 Corinthians 11, 27, the blood of the Lord. Over and over and over again, Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. And we sing the song, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Now, being justified by grace, being justified by blood, the third aspect of justification is being justified by faith. Now, that is, justification is to them that believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The object of true faith is Jesus Himself. Now, here's how it works. Faith rests in Him. No more working for salvation. When I met the Lord Jesus Christ on my knees and asked Him to save my soul, uh, I realized, what can I do? I don't have no money. I don't have a perfect personality. I don't have everything in the world. And what can I do to be saved? Nothing. And so I had to come to Him just as I am, without anything. And so faith rests in Him, no more working for it. I don't have to do a thing to be saved again. Now listen, faith is the feet that walks to Jesus because He invites you to come. Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me. Faith is the hand which receives the gift of God. Faith 
is the eye which looks to Jesus and proves His Word. Faith is a touch that comes to contact with the Lord and find healing power over sin. Faith is the ear that hears the voice of Jesus obeying His Word. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Now, someone may say, and a lot do, how can I know my faith is real? Now, the next step of justification, I want to show you this. Suppose I tell somebody, suppose I tell my wife I love her, and I never did anything to show her I love her. I never bought her a gift. I never said anything good to her. Uh, I want you to marry me, but I ain't working for it. I'm not going to work. I'll just lay around the house and let us both starve to death. Uh, I'm not going to put any food on the table. I'm not going to do a thing uh, to you. I don't think she believes believe I love her. Amen? Now, what is the proof of knowing, what is the proof of the grace of God that you receive? Uh, it's, it's this simple. The person who professes faith in God, yet produces no good works, has a counterfeit faith. True faith in God's salvation in Christ is like a train track. Listen, two rails running side by side. Both rails are necessary for the train to to run on. If one is missing, disaster is waiting. Now, salvation of one's soul depends entirely on God's justification. By God's grace, by Jesus' blood, by faith in Jesus alone. Salvation is all of God, not a man, by His marvelous grace. But the evidence of a sinner being saved is by His works. You don't get saved by doing works. But brother, I guarantee you one thing, if you're truly born again, you have good works. I don't do anything to get saved, but I sure want to do something for somebody to save me. Amen? Now, that's just a natural reaction. That's proof of my faith in Christ's finished work. And I thank God for His amazing grace. Now, I want you to go with me to James for just a minute, and I'll show you how that works. In the book of James, in chapter 1, and I'd like to look at... That's uh, uh, Peter, sorry. I went too far in James chapter 1, uh, uh, James chapter 2, and verse 14. What doeth it profit, my brother, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doeth it profit? Even so faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. Yet a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But would thou know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou hast faith wrought his, with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture 
was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the heart of justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Whereas the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I've said this ever since I've been preaching, and I believe I can prove it from the Word of God, as I have just tried to show you there in the Word of God. Somebody said, I got saved, but I don't see no read to, no use to read the Bible. I don't need to see I don't see the importance of going to church. I don't need to see the importance of praying or reading the Bible or doing anything after I'm saved. I'm saved by God's grace. I'm going to go to heaven. What difference does it make? The Bible says you've got a pseudo-faith. You've got a false faith. Because if you have true faith in God's grace, remember now, grace, you don't have a thing to do with your salvation, but if you truly have that, you'll do something. You'll, you'll serve the one that saves you. How can anybody... And, and I say this sincerely. How can anyone believe with all their heart that God who made you come down and died on the cross Himself to forgive you your sins where you can go to heaven where He's at not want to serve Him? I don't understand that. And neither does the Bible. The Bible says you can't do that. Your faith will produce works. Amen? And the Bible says it. So somebody that says they're saved and don't live a Christian life whatsoever. Now, we all make mistakes. Backsliding is in the Bible. And it tells you exactly how you backslide. And this is how backslides work. Did you know that I've been with a many a person that's gotten saved by God's grace. And something will happen. Something bad will happen in their life. Or somebody out from a job off away from the church, or or they'll get involved in some in little league playing, and I could give you instant and instant something will draw them away from the church, draw them away from God, and they go out there, and after a while they'll forget they was ever purged from sin, according to First Peter, and they won't serve God, and they said he lost his salvation. No, he backslides. It's just like Lot. Lot went down in Gomorrah, and if you find him, first place he went into a wicked city. He had no business in there. He knew better. The next thing he thought, he's sitting with the elders. Now, what are they doing? They're discussing evil things because that's an evil city. And so and he actually one step. Here's how it works. You get saved by God's grace. You start off serving the Lord. You remember how warm you were to the Lord when you first got saved? You start off serving the Lord. You do anything for the Lord. And then the first thing you know, something will draw you out of church. I don't care what it is. Something will get you out of church. And so you just step, step back. Next thing you know, you don't read your Bible every day. You don't find something to read about God and serve Him. And next thing you know, you'll stop praying. And the next thing you know, you see no use whatsoever to go to church anymore. And you just keep on getting away from the Lord. Now, you know what's so good about that? The Bible said it's one step back to the Lord. Just one step. 
And that's 1 John 1, 9. If you'll confess your sins, He is faithful. He is faithful. And just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And God just like that prodigal son. He came home to the Father. And the Father gladly received Him. Amen. And that's, that's how salvation works. And if you ever get it straight in your mind, I, I, I've been accused of, or, or people have said to me, okay, well, read, you go to church every Sunday because you're a preacher. I didn't read I go to church. I mean, I went to church many a year before I, got, before I was called to preach. And I never missed. You know why? Because I don't want my heart to get cold. I don't want to get away from the Lord. And brother, you can do it so easy. And somebody's watching you. And it's so important. I don't want to lose my, my testimony. I want to be able to help somebody to the Lord. And you cannot do it if you lose your testimony. And so you've got to stay true. And the proof of the grace of God in you is your outward works. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, the more we study the grace of God, the more we rejoice in it. Lord, we know people that's right now away from you. They once on their knees begged you to save their soul. But Lord, that doesn't mean they lost their salvation. That just simply means it's something the devil used to get them away from you. And we pray for them daily that they might come back and do righteous works so they can have that assurance in their own hearts that I'm a child of God. Bless us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here.